If you're a long-time listener of the Growth Connie podcast, or even a relatively new one, you will know that our most popular topic is account-based marketing. Nowadays, there's so much research and literature around account-based marketing, but have you been able to find anything specific for the Asia-Pacific region? We've commissioned a research piece with Shift Research to discover the state of account-based marketing in APAC. Do you want to secure this exclusive expert insight? The finished report will give all B2B marketers across APAC a better understanding of how top firms are leveraging account-based marketing and the results they're getting within the region. As a thank you for participating, we'll send you an early access version of the report and invite you to an expert Q&A webinar. To get started, head to xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey. That's xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey. And secure your early access to these valuable insights today. Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from XGrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B leaders to learn about their successes, fails, and what's working for them in the market. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. That's right. You can rate on Spotify now and share the pod with a friend. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack to connect with our members. That's enough from me. Let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hother with X-Growth, and today I'm talking to Daryl Alfonso, Global Marketing Operations at AWS, about how you can become laser-focused on customer experience, leveraging your MarTech, and how Daryl does that at AWS. Let's dive in. Daryl, thanks for coming on the pod, man. Yeah, absolutely. Always happy to talk about all things marketing. Let's get into it. Thanks for having me. Let's do it. I want to start with mistakes. I want to start talking about, you know, what do you what do you see being kind of the number one mistakes mistake marketers make when it comes to martech? Yeah, the num- the number one strategy or the number one problem, and I already kind of gave it away. The number one problem that I see is where marketers let technology drive strategy and they don't let strategy drive the technology. And that is such a very common pitfall to fall into because we have a lot of cool stuff that we like to work with and we like to try out. Your average like marketing automation platform, for example, will have 40 to 50 features and different things that you can actually, and tactics that you can actually try. And it's so often that marketers will make their entire roadmap, you know, implement features one through 15, right? Rather than getting down to what really matters. And, you know, the solve for this, and by the way, what ends up happening is you end up getting to a place where you weren't really sure if that's where you wanted to go in the first place, right? And I, I, think, I think that, that that's, that's a big problem. The way to solve for this is you want to, you know, start with your goals and objectives. And then this is something that we do at Amazon is, and, and it's a, uh, and it's called work backwards. So you work backwards from your key goals and objectives. And for each customer touch point, you figure out what type of technology you need to create the best customer experience possible. And in that way, that's really how you let strategy um, drive technology and not the other way around. 
Got it. I want to I wanna kind of dig a little bit deeper into the approach that you take um, later on uh, that you, you talked about kind of working backwards. But, you know, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think... Um, that marketers kind of start with the tool and let that drive the strategy. I, I, I feel like, you know, like one of the things I feel is a lot of marketers learn with the MarTech providers. Like when somebody comes and talks about, uh, they, they talk, like I remember when Visible was talking about uh, pipeline acceleration and things like that. I felt like marketers were consuming their content and then all of a sudden, their strategy is is becoming aligned to that, uh, and and the martech providers also have the budget to kind of push out their content, versus you know someone who's not a, a consultant who really knows what they're doing, but they're not necessarily venture backed. Why do you, what what are your thoughts on that? What what do you think is is kind of the reason that that marketers get dragged into this? Yeah, I mean that's a big part of the problem. It's it's the martech vendors for sure. There, there has been a lot of gains, I think, and educational gains from the MarTech vendors just because it created a lot of interest in learning how to get better, so that part's good. But think of it this way. Let's say, for example, you know, let's say, for example, um, you have, you're a MarTech vendor, and the best solution to a problem is actually to, to use like a... Uh, a different tool than yours, either a competitive tool or, you know, something completely different. It's unlikely that you're going to create a bunch of content to help people go and buy another tool and use it. You know what I mean? There's, there's conflict of interest there. And there's also like a lack of alignment around the goals for the MarTech vendor. So um, I think that that that's key. You're you're not really going to be getting objective, um, you know, uh, unbiased advice um, when you look to to their curriculum of programs and what they're trying to teach you. I've I've always said, you know what, if if a vendor is selling things like lead nurturing, lead scoring, personalized content, etc., that's all of the things that they're going to promote and all of the things that they're going to teach you how to do as the answer to all of your problems. You know what I mean? I I, I wrote this funny post on LinkedIn earlier, it was about direct mail and how a direct mail vendor would basically say, oh, if you have a problem with, you know, getting meetings, send them a gift. If you have a problem with customer retention, send them a gift. If you have a problem, you know, landing enterprise customers, send them a gift. Like the answer is always send them a gift. And like, you can see how that kind of plays out over and over again when you're letting vendors teach you and letting vendors solve your problems for you. It should be the opposite. You know what I mean? Solve your, you need, need to figure out yourself how to solve your problems first and then take in the bunch of information that's available and then make your, your marketing, MarTech decisions that way. Yeah, I, I, I totally, yeah. The experience that I had with, with that was where when COVID hit and all the gifting platforms were like, oh, don't worry, we've solved this. You know, we send them an email and they will fill in the form and we will get their home address and we'll send it to their home address. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, and, and they were very confident about it, right? I don't know if you remember or if you came across it. They were like super confident that this is, this is, this works. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, but really, 
And I went on Slack and I, I, I'm part of a bunch of Slacks and I, I wrote there, I'm like, how many people have seen this work? And it was just crickets. Like there was no one replying. So, um, you know, it, it's such a great, great example of, 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 of what, you, what you mentioned. What about distractions, right? So obviously one of the things that, that distracts marketers from getting results out of MarTech is that strategy component. But are there... Are there anything else? Like what happens that, that kind of distracts marketers from getting those results where there are tons of examples. People set up a elite scoring system and it just completely falls apart and it doesn't work. What happens there? What distracts them in your opinion? One of the biggest distractions is when you're creating marketing to look cool for other marketers and also to sort of try and get promoted. I think that those are probably the two biggest problems because your marketing should be centered around the customer. And a lot of times it's not the flashy stuff, I think that that really, really gets, or it's not the latest technologies or, or, or techniques that will get your customer's attention. But I think that, that as a profession, that's what we all like to talk about. And what's interesting to us, right, as marketers. And this can, be, this can get quite meta, actually. But, you know, one of the other challenges too, is like, if you're learning from marketers that sell to marketers, you know, that is itself this self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, <laughs> it, it's not really the best information. Like you get kind of the latest and the coolest and, and what's different and what's provocative, right? And that's one of the biggest distractions. So when you, so when, when people sit down, when marketers sit down, and they create their plan for the year. They want to. They want to. They want to have something spicy in there. They want something like, oh, we want to send them the best direct mail possible that's completely personalized, and you know, or we want to send them this 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 video that is you know super flashy, you know, whatever, whatever the whatever the case may be. But if you like really look at it, we're not really sure if it's the customer they want to impress or if they want to impress someone else. And I think that that's, that's one of the big problems. And that's, that's where we get the, that's where shiny object syndrome comes from, where you want the latest and greatest smart tech. And that's where, you know, I love how you put it, distraction, because that's the perfect word. There's creating value from the customer and educating them and getting them to a place where they find your solution as the, as the answer to their problems. And then there's everything else. And I think that that's, yeah, again, like you said, it's the perfect word, distraction. You're distracted from that. Because here's what happens, right? A marketer goes and there's a new tool and they put a, they create a case study for it or they create a business case study for it. Sorry, business case for it. And they're like, hey, we need this because of these reasons, yada, yada, yada. And the business approves it and they go and make the purchase. I also feel like when they make that purchase, the marketers kind of feel like, hey, I have to use 100% of these features. I have to like fully utilize this tool where really you kind of need only 50% of it. The other one is, again, going back to the same word, is distraction. Like you don't need to do that other stuff, but they feel like they have to. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? It's opportunity cost. One of the, what, what, what's, there's that quote that I really like. It's called the the enemy of the best is the good or something like that. These things that we're doing, implementing these different features, 
trying to implement 100% or adopt, get 100% utilization of a particular MarTech platform. It's not like it's bad. And I think that that's the part where we get, we get lost and distracted. There's actually some modest benefit from doing all of these things. And that's why it can go on for so long, you know, because you'll see incremental improvement just because there's some value in most of the features. They're, most of them, I think, are not for just complete nothing. But opportunity cost really comes to mind because if you're spending your time implementing a feature that's not the number one priority for you and your customers and aren't solving the biggest problems, you're losing time solving for the other ones. You know, one of the things that we do at Amazon is we take a look at at certain issues and we we list out, hey, what are the before we even start? Like, what are our biggest like our five biggest opportunity areas that we can grow? There's no there's no tools, no solutions, no. Hey, what are we using now that we're not getting 100 percent out of? And by the way, I used to think like this, especially like earlier on. So, you know, no shame to people that do that. You know, I, I absolutely was one of the people that took a look at my marketing automation platform and like, oh, we're not using this dynamic content feature. You know, how can we slide this in? <laughs> right. So, so no judgment. But I think we have to realize that when you look at problems, look at like the five key opportunity areas, list them out. And then start to list out the solutions and how you're going to solve for them. And then bring the technology in to support the solutions. And that, that's how you know you're working on the most important things. You know, and people think, that, people think that just because you have more resources that all of a sudden this opportunity cost goes away. And it's, ne- it's definitely not true. There's always opportunity cost for every company, for every professional. Um, and it's, and it's, it's by not focusing on the most important problems to solve, that's, that's when you... That's where you um, get lost. Tell me a little bit about assessing these opportunities. How do you go about, you know, you talked about at Amazon, you kind of identify these top five opportunities. How do you kind of assess what are those top five opportunities? I think of it in, in a hierarchy of decisions and criteria. So you're evaluating on different measures. The first one is customer experience. And I hope that, that people really internalize that. There's... You know, it's a very common sort of belief that sales should be our number one customer. I think sales is one of our customers and one of our important stakeholders. But the customer, the one that pays the bills, the customer is the one that we should be focused on at, for number one. So, so customer experience is the first measure. And then it comes to business outcomes like revenue, right? Revenue and pipeline will be the second measure of criteria. Right, so if you so if you're trying to prioritize your your opportunities or big projects, it, it's it's uh, customer experience, then it's business outcomes, and then depending on your sort of maturity stage and like where you are, there's also like fortification long term, and fortification is is making sure things scale, making sure things are secure and making sure that your systems will support your business and your customers long-term. That's a little bit more of an enterprise concept because I think that if you're, you know, like hyper growth companies won't have to worry about security as much, but enterprise companies really have to worry about security because they're always getting trying, you know, there's always these bad actors trying to ruin everything. And then comes efficiency. Efficiency is at, 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 the, at the bottom, 
I, I like to say. Now, if you're a startup, efficiency might go a little bit higher, right? It might, it might, it might overtake uh, fortification, but um, that's the way that I think of it. Efficiency is, 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 is at the bottom. So, so looking at a problem, you want to think about those four different criterias and then also order your solutions in that way. Got it. So, so you would go and say, hey, for example, there's an opportunity for us to do, uh, I'm, 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 I'm spitballing here, but do podcasting as a marketing channel. Well, the, the customer experience is maybe we get customers to be more informed. The revenue is that we maybe have some inbound um, interest. Is that, is that how you, what, what we're talking about here? Yeah, kind of. I think, I, think it would, I think it would start with, even before that, of knowing who your customer is and then um, understanding if podcasts are something that they're consuming in that format and in, in, in that way. You know what I mean? Do they want to listen or would, would, would they benefit like, or do you have a more technical audience that would prefer to see visuals of actually how to code something or actually how to put, put things together? Or would another format be a little bit better? Still today, you know, one of the things that, that we do at AWS is we host these open workshops and sessions where developers come and they see firsthand how to use the services and, and, and we get them set up. So that, that format is particularly strong. So it really depends on your audience. So that's, that's the way that I would think, think of it first. And, and then if podcasts are the answer, then look at, you know, the, the customer experience of the podcast and then, and then also like the, the potential business outcomes, which, you know, could be a little bit interesting because, Podcasts are a little bit of that longer tail effort, but you know it doesn't mean that you just don't try. So, and I was yeah, I was giving podcasts just as an example to kind of clarify things for for um, for both myself and 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 people who are listening. How do you kind of see Martech coming into the mix here? The awesome thing about about Martech is the in the same way that technology improves our lives, technology can improve marketing. You know, so today we can talk to our family member. You and I can talk now. We're on opposite sides of the world. We can see each other. Technology is amazing. I think that when you look at the emails that you get in your inbox today from brands like Amazon, like Netflix, you see incredibly personalized emails, you know, emails that look like they're made just for you. And that's how we use technology to improve marketing, right? You, you look at, hey, what do customers really want? And how can you use technology to make that happen? And by the way, this is a concept that I've been thinking about recently. And it's kind of like, how do you know, or like, how do you know what a good customer experience is? And the answer to that is when you look at something, you know, whether it's an email whether it's a website, whether it's a post, you look at it, your, your feeling is, whoa, this is cool. You know, like, or whoa, this is exactly what I need. And that's that delightful experience that you should be going for. You know what I mean? So for, so for those people that are sort of wondering, what do I mean by great customer experience? That's it. You're capturing this feeling that customers have when they see your stuff. How can you replicate that? How can you do it over and over again? 
And there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Like, how, how do you make that happen? It's personalization. It's timing. It's marrying that with excellent aesthetics and visuals, you know. And so much of it, so much of it is based on, on data, which, is, which I think is, 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 a, is a big missing piece that a lot of marketers don't think about. Where, where do you think, from a data perspective, earlier we had a few chats about uh, AI and, uh, and, and machine learning kind of impacting the, the MarTech space. Where do you think we're going from a data perspective? That's a good question. I, I, I think that it's not new that our data is incredibly siloed and disparate among the different systems. I think that the, the first key thing that any MarTech manager or someone managing the marketing ecosystem or, or, or stack needs to think about is how do you unify and synchronize the data across the entire, the entire stack, right? And one of the ways to, to think about doing that is you need to think about the activities that happen with your customer and in the business, and then how do you, and, and then the outputs that you expect and how that improves decision-making. So, so here's an example. Let's say a customer go visits a, a landing page. So that information needs to be tracked and sent into your, let's say it's a, a marketing automation platform or some sort of, you know, content experience platform. That information then needs to be pushed into either your CRM or into a CDP, right? Normalized and formatted in a way so it can be compared against other similar marketing activities. That information then needs to go into either a, a data visualization or analytics platform and then present it up to, into leadership. And then that information needs to go back down all the way through the, the tech stack and then back into the back to the customer in a way that's even more personalized. So connecting all of those data points, I think, or, or those data pipelines are incredibly important. And you can't really do great personalized marketing without that sort of flow. So I think that that's the first thing that marketers need to get. And if they don't have that, I think more and more it's becoming table stakes to have that sort of connection. And even, even uh, smaller companies without resources can do that with tools like Zapier and, and Workato. So there's, there's a lot of, you don't absolutely need to have technical resources to, to achieve that. So I think that's the first part. And then I think there's this idea of making sure data is right and the same in all of different systems. That sort of unifying and normalizing data, I think is also a big part of it because if you are in, like let's say you're in some sort of advertising tool and then another marketer is in a marketing automation platform for email and the data that they're looking is different and doesn't match up, um, it can create incredible problems. So I think that that's, that, that's also another big piece about, about data. Tell me a little bit about when we were chatting, you talked about, hey, listening to sales is not, it shouldn't be the number one priority, right? And that goes against some of the stuff that some, some other B2B marketers say. Tell me a little bit more about that. This is assuming, you know, the, where, where this comes from is this comes from, I think, a spike in marketers that come into marketing just to do advertising or social media because they think it's cool, right? Or to come up with interesting creative ad campaigns without sort of the end 
outcomes or outputs in mind from those creative efforts. And I think that there's a lot that there's a lot of reasons for that. I think like Mad Men and like the glamorization of marketing as a creative endeavor just for the sake of being creative, I think led to that sort of spike in number of marketers just liking to do marketing for the sake of it. Now, I think that that's definitely changing. And I think that a lot of the marketing automation pl- platforms, and interestingly, because we're talking about this, interestingly, the vendors are largely responsible for marketing becoming much more revenue oriented. And I love that. You know, I think that anyone who's really studied business before, either now or before they got into, uh, before they got a job, have this innate understanding that you need to make revenue in order for the business to survive. So, so I think that now that that's, that's changing a lot. And, you know, today there's still this number of marketers that said, that say that sales is the number one customer. And I think that that, that has a a number of problems. The first is it's incredibly short term. So, you know, sales, again, no judgment, have these quarterly or even monthly quotas to achieve. And, you know, they'll do anything to kind of meet those numbers, even if it means, unfortunately, harming potential revenue that can happen later on. So I think that that long-term perspective is something that we as marketers need to bring to the table. And then another reason, another problem that that it could be is if if uh, marketers may not know this, but sales compensation is an art and a science, and it's something that is done iteratively, iteratively over time. And, you know, honestly, when you first set out, like, like I, I created a sales compensation one time in one of my past roles, when I managed sales development, I can tell you at the very beginning, we're just guessing, you know, we're just saying, Hey, I think that they can meet these numbers. And guess what? When you roll those out to salespeople, that's what they go for. They go for those numbers and it could harm the long-term business. There needs to be some separation between those short-term goals and what's good for for the business long-term. And, you know, this is not some sort of epiphany, but whatever is good for the customer ends up being good for the business long-term. And we've seen that so many, so many times. I do think that that marketing should absolutely talk to customers. At, At Amazon, we have these large voice of the customer initiatives where we have people that just talk talk to customers and survey them all day and write up these expansive reports on what customers are thinking and what they're doing. And, you know, I, I, it's one of the things I really appreciate about coming to Amazon because of their, you know, extreme focus on, on the customer. We actually have this, this, this principle called the empty chair principle. And, uh, uh, whenever you're in a meeting, there's an empty chair and, the customer sitting there and that's who you should be thinking about. Like, is this, is this the best thing for the customer? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think that it should be different for marketing, you know, in marketing meetings, you know, have an empty chair and that, and save that for your customer. Cause that's that, I think that'll bring more alignment and more direction to, to your decision-making. Got it. Now I love it. I love it. Daryl, I have a couple of rapid-fire questions I want to ask you, but before I kind of get to that, is there anything on MarTech, on CX, that that we potentially, I didn't ask or we didn't cover that you think it's important for us to touch on? 
One interesting concept that I've been thinking about a lot is like, you know, for those of us that work in MarTech, you know, where, where, what does the future look like? Where, where, where are we going? I think actually the people that work in MarTech have almost two separate paths. I think that there is, you know, one that's more of the business operator, operator track. And I think that people, marketing operations and Mar- and MarTech managers today, I think that they are really perfectly positioned to lead the marketing department in the years to come, just because of their closeness to the data, their proximity to the customer, and all of the things that make really marketing really great. So I think that there's that track. I also think that there's a huge opportunity for marketers to become even more technical. I think that we're going to see a lot more marketing engineers. I think we're going to see a lot more marketing developers that love marketing, but are, are tech savvy enough to, to build solutions and craft innovative solutions to, to, to solve for problems. So I actually see two separate paths opening up for, for, for MarTech marketers and uh, really excited to see. That sounds so cool. Yeah. Marketing engineers. That, is, uh, that sounds like a cool role to have. Let's dive into the rapid fire questions. All right. The first thing I want to ask you is what is one resource that could be, this could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is that has had a massive impact on you as a person. It could be both professionally and personally. What, what comes, comes to mind? This is an old one, but there's a book called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Whenever you talk to me, I think you probably can get a sense that prioritization is something that's so so like meaningful to me and I think that it solves so many problems that that we that we face. And the concept of eat that frog is if you your 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 biggest and toughest challenge, you should do it the very first thing in the morning because everything will get easier after that and it will make the most difference in your life. So so that that book by Brian Tracy has has I've always remembered that. Question number two. If you could give one piece of advice to B2B marketers, what would that, what would that be? You might not hear this one often. It's improve your writing skills. That is, I think, the best piece of advice for marketers, for salespeople, for business professionals everywhere. Clear writing is a reflection of clear thinking. And I think that if you write often and you focus on writing clearly and concisely, you know, I really think you get smarter. I really like that. And that's a big thing at Amazon from what I've read and what I've heard where you, the, the meeting, I don't know if this happens at AWS as well, where you have to come to the meeting with a narrative and that gets distributed among everyone and they would read it. Is that, does that happen at AWS as well? Yep. Yep. So yeah, every meeting starts with uh, 20 minutes of silence reading the it's usually like a six page memo or narrative. And, you know, once you start writing down the solutions to your problems or dissecting problems on paper, it's like, it, it's just, it's like the fog lifts. And I think that, that, um, and, you know, one of the things why people don't do it often is it's really hard, so hard to write, you know, imagine like starting a blog post or, you know, going through what I'm going through, um, with, 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 with writing, it's, it's incredibly hard to write, but incredibly fulfilling and, and gratifying once you do so. Yeah. And positive outcome. All right. Question number three, what are the influencers that you follow in the marketing space? Let's see. I like Sarah McNamara. She's from, she does, she 
is a uh, works in marketing ops in Slack, Slack slash Salesforce. She's great. Her content is 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 awesome. I also I follow John Miller, who was a previous founder of of Marketo and uh, since went to Demandbase and CMO over at Demandbase. I love the stuff that he's doing over there. Yeah, and then and then your classic ones like like you know like Seth Godin is is one of my favorites. Ann Hanley, one of my favorites. So. Yeah. Also, some of the, the the classic, I think, marketing influencers I, I I've always followed. I love it. Last question: What's something that excites you about B two B today? You know, I like where social media is going for B two B. It's I think it's t- been taking strides. It's becoming much more creative, much more personal. It's just it's just really great to see. You know, I think I think Link, LinkedIn's own journey is is a really cool thing to watch because a few years ago. The only thing that you post on LinkedIn are like, you either share articles or you say when you got a new job or if you like raised funding and that's it. And if you look at LinkedIn today, you know, yeah, there is, there is some low quality content, but you see a lot of people just writing and writing their thoughts and talking about the industry, telling, telling people what, what they like about work and, you know, tips and, you know, sometimes get, it, it, it can get personal. Um, so I, and I, I think it's very exciting to see that blend of business, work, and life, I think that that is is so great to see. That's awesome. Do you, have you explored the the TikTok side of of uh, the the B two B side of TikTok? I love TikTok. I don't. So I did make an account for my dog, and you know, got some engagement of just videos of my dog running around and doing funny things. I think it's I think it's so fun, but I think it's going to get there. I don't. Right now, I think it's it's very difficult to you know unless you unless you are the algorithm is so crazy right now where it surfaces really the most viral, most interesting things, and I think that only for you'll only see like educational B two B content stuff like that is if you are really looking for it. So I think that that's why it's a little bit tough right now, but. What, one thing that I think that you're seeing a lot of is there's a lot more professional development, self-development posts coming. There's a lot of how-to posts that are happening, you know, home decor, do-it-yourself, personal finance. I see a lot of that too on TikTok. And I, I don't doubt that B2B will soon follow after that. So you're definitely seeing educational content on TikTok, but I think it's, it's a little early still for, for really good like B2B content. Really interesting. Really interesting, exciting. Daryl, love the conversation, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Daryl. Thank you. This episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell. It was edited by Dave Samito with additional editing and music also by Alexander Hipwell. Special thanks to Tina Wabe and Rod Hoda. We couldn't make this show without you. The show is hosted by Shaheen Hoda. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Yes, you can rate on Spotify now, so please do. And share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. If you'd like to connect with the members of Growth Colony, join our free Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support and we'll see you again in the next one.
This podcast is brought to you by Xgrowth, an account-based marketing agency with a strong specialization in the APAC market. If you're starting to roll out an account-based marketing initiative in your firm or looking to take your current program to the next level, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-few, or one-to-many, don't try to do it all alone. Chat with the ABM experts at Xgrowth to see how they can help you both on strategy and execution of your next ABM campaign. To find out more, head to www.xgrowth.com.au. That's www.xgrowth.com.au.